0: Hi everyone, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. If you're watching it on the internet or listening to a podcast version of the show, make sure to subscribe so that you get notified when a new show is released. And if you'd like to find links to videos or mp3 files, just go to miamighostchronicles.com and you can also submit any eerie experiences you've had at the Submit Your Story tab. Also, hook up with us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram where you can find information not only about new shows but also about monthly free merchandise giveaways. So, get comfortable, enjoy this new episode and just imagine it's a dark and stormy night where not a creature is stirring, not even a mouse. And if a creature is stirring, you hope it's a mouse. hi everybody this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles stories of the supernatural how is everybody doing good I hope well I'm doing fantastic even though this uh, show is gonna be delayed a little bit I'm recording it now in October my birth month and it's a week out from Halloween my favorite holiday and with that in mind I have a super fantastic, interesting guest. This is a gentleman by the name of Shane Sirois. He, uh, he, to say that he's skilled is an understatement. He has been helping families and individuals with, for lack of a better word, what you can call extreme hauntings. Uh, and even though he does have a gift as far as understanding, diagnosing, treating disturbances in home uh he also uses the intelligence or the, the scientific side as far as understanding how to handle this uh and one of the most important things that he makes mention is that his abilities are not just limited to healing homes he heals people's lives as well and the reason why i'm bringing this up is that people that have undergone extreme hauntings uh, by this, it could be short duration. In some cases, sometimes it's been going on for years. They sometimes have like a little bit of PTSD going on as far as getting beyond what their experiences were and the fear of it returning. And um, Part of his ability is the understanding of how to work with people for them to move beyond what happened besides understanding how it came about and to make sure that it doesn't come back so anyway let me bring him on and of course I'm gonna ask Shane uh, what I ask all my guests which is how he became involved with the paranormal especially and I have a feeling about this that this was something that happened to him as a child so Shane am I accurate about thinking that your first encounter with something paranormal happened when you were a kid
1: Yes, it started age of three, we lived in a home in Lemonster, Massachusetts, and we my mother would see you know she'd see an apparition of a man uh staring at her, you know he'd be standing on a doorway staring at her, but I would see I saw him walk into the living room one time, but I would see uh start off as like different people standing at the at the corner of the room um at the foot of my bed kinda in the corner, staring at me and And they would start moving towards me. I'd close my eyes. I'd open my eyes and they'd be back in the corner of the room. And we would just repeat this over and over and over until I fell asleep. Until um, one night I got up and this is where it got really strange is I got up and I, I went to go to the bathroom and I walked through the kitchen, going to the bathroom. I'm walking back out. I feel two hands pressed firmly on on the back of my shoulders and it's behind me. I can't see what it is and it it forces me to the ground and finally I fight it off and I still can't see it and you know it was dark and everything too I run and I, I jumped up over the the uh, base of the bed uh, okay. the foot of the bed and was just shaking myself in the air you know trying to get this thing off me and I land in the bed I, I you know bury because I'm, I'm little I'm like three four years old sure. I bury my, my head in between the mattress and the in the in the wall and then finally after a little while nothing's happening so I I turn around and I lay on my right side so I could I'm um, facing actually my sister's bed was a, across from me mm-hmm. and I could see her sleeping and then there was nothing in the room that really expected to see something but there was nothing there so finally I start to feel like you know I'm settling down it took a little while mm-hmm. and I start <laughs> to feel like I'm gonna you know start dozing off I close my eyes uh-huh. and just as I Start to feel like I'm you know just ready to fall asleep I feel a hand on my face and I open up my eyes oh, and and I kid kid you not there was a it was like it looked like a gray alien you know your typical gray-looking alien standing right? there yeah so it's horrific um, I'm
0: telling you That's...
1: yeah so it, it, it was really bizarre now of course I was young but these these memories are very real to me and I, mm-hmm. I do believe that it did happen. Um, I don't think there were imaginations because uh, I, I mean I can remember even further back. I can remember when I was crawling as a as a baby, you know.
2: Right. So,
1: um, but then we moved to um, we we moved to Texas when I was let's see. So it was about it was about the age of seven um, when we we're in Texas and we lived in San Antonio. And at that time, I would I would go to bed. And I, sometimes I wouldn't even fall asleep. I would just be laying there. And all of a sudden I'd realize there's these two beings on either side of my my bed. You know, your typical little little grays. Wow. And, yeah, and then a lot of times there'd be a real tall one. It looked the same, but he, he was really intimidating. And he was intelligent. These other two were like dummies. Like they they, they took direction from him. He was mm-hmm. the boss. And... And they would look back at him, look back at him, and then they they'd start their hands up towards my head, and I would black out. I don't remember what happens after that. And and so um, and then so sometimes you know you start to know when they're there. And I one night I was laying in bed, and I'm like, "There's one outside my window. I know it." And I I walked over to the window and I look out the window, and there's one standing in our back in the backyard, and 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 it it wants me to come out there. It didn't speak. I just knew that it wanted me to go out there. I black out. I don't. I don't know what happens.
2: Okay.
1: Then very the very next day, my mother says, "Do you know you were sleepwalking last night? You try to walk out of the house, but I was awake when I saw this thing. And then I I don't remember after that. But she says I I I walked through the the house and I was fighting with the door trying to get outside. And and um, but she used to find me like, you know, all all over the the house. You know, while we lived there. So, but then when then we moved and nothing really happened after that until I, I reached the age of 10 and when i was 10 um this is where it really began for me
0: oh wow <laughs> oh my god <laughs>
1: what happened
0: <laughs> yeah. it was like you would think that what would have happened would have been more than enough <laughs> yeah so all that
1: stuff it's it's it i didn't understand it i, I mean i didn't know i was really young so i it, it didn't really understand how bizarre it was, and I, I knew it wasn't normal, but it was. It happened at such a young age that it, it just, it, I think, I accepted it a little bit more um, than if, you know, adult first experiences sure. something like that. So then, but when I reached the age of ten. We're living in um, Clinton, Massachusetts, which is where I pretty much grew up and most of the time, and and so I got really sick, and they did. You know, uh, the doctors didn't know what was wrong. My my mother didn't have health insurance at the time, so she was hoping it would go away. She didn't take me into the doctors or whatever. But I couldn't eat or drink anything. I couldn't hold anything down um, for almost a month. And wow. and so, yeah, and that's that's not good. You that's know, a very and long time so, like
0: to be sick like that. Yeah.
1: So I was pretty much bedridden. I couldn't walk because I was so weak and mm-hmm. uh, couldn't 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 get around at all. So I was just basically just shoved in a room and then closed the door and and um and it, 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 weird things started happening. happen like if i got hot and i want i felt the like a thunderstorm there was one night the thunderstorm was coming i could hear the the wind blowing and, and the thunder and and i'm like man i want that window open so bad but i couldn't get out of bed and all of a sudden the window opened on its own and so things like that started happening but then one night Everything changed, you know, because when you don't eat, your, your body's eating itself. So I'm achy. I, I'm uncomfortable. I don't, you know, I just yes. feel really horrible. And all of a sudden one night, it was just, the best way I can explain it is, I, all of a sudden, all that went away. I felt like I was part of everything around me and everything was a part of me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I could, I knew I could sense, I could see, I could feel what everybody in the house was doing and then beyond that. Wow. And it was I yeah, it was a very strange feeling. And um you know, when you don't eat or drink for for you, you know, you yeah, can lose it. Yeah, that's what a lot of like these that.
0: uh religious or aesthetics do, you know, when they like the hermit type that they they're hoping for a vision. I was gonna say that's what it sounds like. Like you had like an out of body or vision quest kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And so what um further on in the story there's um well i'll just keep going anyways we'll get to that but so um then, then i noticed there's there's a man sitting at the foot of the bed he, it's like he's sitting on something but there was nothing there for him to be sitting on but it, it appeared he was at that level like he, he was sitting
2: okay. and
1: it was really strange because he he looked like a man that was trying too hard to look like a human and he looked out of place it looked really bizarre to me um he he had um darker skin you know um and his hair was black but it was short and and combed it almost looked his hair almost looked it was so perfect that it almost looked like a helmet like it was just placed on top of it It just didn't look right to me and but but this is where it gets weird he this is where i got my information on how to deal with negative parasitic hauntings okay he said he goes. You're going to be okay. This is happening for a reason. You're being brought here so you're connected and you're tuned. Basically, is what he said. You're you're going to be tuned to to the here, so you you could, you're always connected to this. And he says because you're going to help people for the rest of your life. Now at the time, that made no sense to me at all. And you know I'm, I'm 10 years old, um, but he. He then gave me information about the mechanics of how, what initiates a haunt, a negative haunt and, or attachment, some people like to say, right. and what initiates it and what allows it to continue to go on, what, what allows that connection between the entity and the afflicted.
2: Okay.
1: And, and so he gave me a thorough understanding of that, and um, it made no sense to me, but I remembered it. It was just etched in my brain. So um, that same night... My mother and stepfather come home from the bar, and I can hear them giggling and acting stupid coming up the stairs, and and, um, and so I opened my eyes because you know I was I was resting, and I could hear their voice. So I opened my eyes, and everything was white. I couldn't see anything. So I'm, I'm trying to see what's going on. I'm like, what's happening? I'm like, am I blind? I'm like, what's going on? Right. And. And I'm, I, I ended up spinning around, and I was looking down at myself, and I watched my stepfather pick me up, and carry me down the stairs, and I was falling from behind, and then, I, uh, then I black out, and, and I wake up, in the car, in my body, and then, I black out, and then at the ER, the emergency room, I wake up, or or I have memory of, um, it just all of a sudden, boom, now I'm like thirty feet in the air. And I'm watching them walk, carrying me, walking into the emergency room from like, I'm like thir- about 30 feet in the air. And then I walk, then I end up being like in the corner of the emergency room, watching the doctors and stuff work on me and everything. Wow. And so, yeah. So, and then, um, so I, I was in ICU for a few days or whatever. Once I get stabilized, they they move me to a different wing mm-hmm. and I'm watching Monday, Monday night football at, at one night and... This this uh, nurse walks in and so again it, she looked very odd like she, like someone trying way too hard to look like a human and way too hard mm-hmm. to look like a nurse it, it looked really weird and she came in and she sat down behind like on the side of me kind of behind me and she was stroking my hair and she says she goes um I she goes I used to do this with my son I miss doing this with my son and then she says don't worry, you're going to be okay now. And I, I pass out, and I wake up because I used to come in to make sure I could wake up in the middle of the night with a flashlight mm-hmm. and all that, and so, excuse me, uh, flashing that in my face. And, and I said, you know, where's the other nurse? And, and I can't remember her name now. I can remember a lot of details, but I'm terrible with names. I'm great with faces. But um, and I said, you know, where's so-and-so? And she goes, what are you talking about? She goes, I- I'm the only nurse covering this wing all night. She goes, because people called out sick. And, um, but but the funny thing is, is I started getting better immediately, um, after her visitation. Yeah. So, um, it it was weird. And so after that, um, I, I truly believe that whatever these things were, um, that I, I was put in this position so I could learn because my, the other, it's, it's hard to say this stuff where else because I, I don't want people to take it like I'm egotist because I am totally not but it, so when You know th- this information that I was given it works 100% of the time and so There there was a that's why it happened to I me, mean, you know I, this whole experience had to happen. So I was they were able to communicate this information to me so I'd be able to help people and and that's what i've been doing i've helped thousands of people uh, over 30 years because i started as a young a young teenager um and Shane, let me ask I, you
0: something you mentioned the sister did you have any other siblings besides her or was it just the two of you
1: um very dysfunctional family so it depended on what, time, well, what part of it the... no you know why I was <laughs> gonna ask I said
0: were you the target because sometimes you know sometimes everybody has their own experience and sometimes in situations like what you're describing there's the target child where they're the yeah. ones that experience the whole range of stuff and everybody else is oblivious they like huh except you I know you yeah. mentioned that your mom had seen something but did your sister ever see anything
1: no, no. Okay. And I had, I had that when I was young as yes, a three-year-old, um, I had two sisters okay. at the time. And then when I, when I was 10, I had um, one of my sisters were, were, was living with my grandparents, my oldest sister. Okay. Um, and, and then my other sister was living with us, but then I, and by that time I had a younger brother. Mm-hmm. and then also i had um, two steps uh, a stepsister and a stepbrother living with us as well okay. and when i was 10 so so then um as, as a young teenager i started because I, I this never left my head all this all these experiences and, and okay. what, what what was told told to me and you know what does this all mean and and i just always had a lifelong passion to understand this stuff and i have a very thirsty mechanical aptitude like i have to understand how everything works 100 not just okay well you know if if, if you throw this you know it's going to hit something but i want to understand every step of that process 100 percent, you know and right. um if i get a radio for christmas and it, you know i remember when i was like eight i got a radio for christmas i i took it upstairs i tore the thing apart because i wanted to understand you know how the thing worked that's just kind of how i am so I, I, I wanted to understand what was told to me, and, and I wanted to understand every step of the way. And so it was always just something I thought about but didn't understand until I started to actually mess around with it. And, you know, the first thing as a young teenager was the Ouija board. Um, okay. The Ouija board is nothing nothing evil. It's it. There's nothing special about it. But what it is, it's a tool that focuses your attention on the possibility of an interaction. So you're telling these negative parasites that, hey, I will play with you. Mm-hmm. And so it focuses your attention on those things because they need your attention. And a lot of times, you know, these teenagers get that get in trouble with them, teenagers are typically, you know, um, a lot of them are in, in, a, in a dysfunctional home or they have right. um, vulnerabilities and they're, they're just emotionally not in the right place to be messing around with stuff like that. Sure. Because when when you're in a vulnerable emotional state of being, you become a target to these Absolutely. parasites. They feed on yeah
0: they're transitioning into adulthood and they're like you know so you don't know what you want you switch from day to day when you're going through those through that stage of your life let me ask you: do you think that guy that you saw sitting at the end of your bed the one that you said that his hair was so perfect do you think that was a guardian of yours
1: he you know what he's he's i haven't seen him in a while but he stayed with me for uh, he would come in dreams i would see him um when i was when i was awake yeah i would see him in different positions he would be he'd point me in certain directions uh, um dressed the same way he had this uh, plaid shirt checkered you know shirt um and i seen him basically let's see from from the first time i was 10 years old uh, i saw him heavily around the time i was uh you know nearing adulthood Mm -hmm. 18 19 years old I would I saw him like a ton and then he appeared periodically over the next few years but I haven't I haven't seen him since so I think um he I don't know I think maybe he was kicking me off on my journey and then you know once I once I started connecting dots he was no longer right. needed and I exactly. I think yeah
0: uh, well, I've heard of that that yeah that you have guardians through certain stages and then once like you is exactly like what you said once you're past the point of where they were helping you then maybe a new one will come in it's not yeah. it doesn't necessarily always have to be the same one throughout your life that is so yeah. interesting so you yeah, went through thing... you you but let me tell you something that's a really heavy thing that they laid on you as a kid <laughs> that's and, and oh, let yeah. Me ask you, yeah do, this whole thing in the background where you had it sounds like an encounter with et's was that part of it was that running parallel to the spirit contact or was it all meshed up together now that you look back at it what what was that
1: it's it i i even wonder if if these the spirit contacts the ones that have given me this information Mm i i i i because until i can figure everything out and i know for sure i keep everything open and because i i i don't um I have to prove everything to myself i don't take anyone else's you know studies sure. you know as a you know i take everything as a grain so i i have to do the work myself and i have to understand every every step of the way mm-hmm. um before i can i can say for sure so i'll i'll never you know pose a theory as truth until i know for sure but what what i often wonder and it almost could because the when when i when i'm around these alien type things because mm-hmm. it continues it continues my whole life. It still okay. happens today. Um, it They feel the same as the entities that were near my bed that were giving me information on how to deal with it. So I, I often wonder if these were not aliens posing like human-looking people to give me this information to deal with the parasitic entities because these parasitic entities are a totally different life form Mm -hmm. you know people call them people call them demons they call them you know archons there's all kinds of names for them but we don't know that there are any such thing like that Um, but i actually believe um that they're they're an actual life form and just because we can't see them a lot of times Mm -hmm. we we don't have a very broad um, visual light spectrum you know sure. that's why animals can see, see things that we can't because they see a, a different light spectrum so th- just because we can't see them doesn't mean that they're not real thing and i truly believe that these what i call pairs i i call them parasitic entities because it, it's a name that describes their personality and what they do and because we don't we don't know that they're demons that got bored playing cards with the devil down in hell and they're going to c- come up here and mess with us, <laughs> right, you know?
0: exactly. Well, yeah, and, it, it and, is, sometimes I, I guess it's the... And and also, I was, I was thinking along the lines, you know, everybody, of course, always thinks of extraterrestrial life as like traveling through space and the UFO, whatever. But, you know, there's also that theory that what if the way that they come into our world is inter- or intradimensionally, you know, which is like then but, we're talking about a whole host of things as... Not, like you said, parasites, uh, extraterrestrial uh, life forms, you know, maybe they're coming and going into our world through through a parallel or another dimension that runs alongside ours. And they just know how to manipulate it where they can come in and out. And, um, uh, yeah, and they that could that account it's... for a lot of things that sometimes people see and then they there's no proof like where they came from or where they went.
1: Right, right. Right. And, and that's exactly what we, what we think. They're definitely, they seem to be multiversal
2: mm-hmm. and,
1: you know, it, it just, it just really, really appears that way. But, um, what, what I do know about these parasitic entities. So, you know, I was told this, you know, when I was 10, when I was sick, but I I also see this because I put in place a process to identify trends within right. each haunting. and I've done that since, uh, you know, a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started to notice common things that nobody else seemed to be picking up on, and it confirmed what I was told as a ten-year-old. Okay. Um, these things, these things are connected. They're initiated, and they're connected to us through frequency, through mostly emotional okay. frequency. So when when we're in a lo- lowered, vulnerable emotional state of being, mm-hmm. our 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 frequency is. Lowered, and therefore we become connected with th- these parasitic energies like a two-way radio. Okay. If you've got two walkie-talkies or two-way radios that are on different frequencies, they cannot communicate. So when we're in a vulnerable state, this is not. This is. Oh, I'll tell you this, and I got to tell you a really cool story. Go ahead. Elaborate to to elaborate on this. So when we're in a lowered emotional state of being. Our frequency is equivalent to cancer, mold, mildew, other parasitic life forms, including these parasitic life forms that that feed off of us. Um, and not not really just feed it. I think it's more connected to us and, but um, attached to to those uh, lowered emotional frequencies. They need fear, attention, and negativity yes. or or a vulnerability. And. And so, you know, when we're elevated, we're in a good place and, and stuff like that. And we have no traumas or bad life experiences that are, are, are hurting our hearts or, or our minds. Then these things cannot touch us. They, it just, we, they cannot connect with us at all. So, um, so we, I know, okay. you know, Paul, you know, cause I, I know Paul, you has been on your show. So I'll tell you how I met him, um, back in
2: 1998.
1: Okay. Uh, I got a I got contacted by a guy actually it was in a chat room I used to when I didn't have investigations mm-hmm. late at night I would go on these AOL chat rooms like haunted house I remember or river wow. God,
0: yeah God. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> so I, I I'd go in there and I give advice to people and, and stuff like that I used to analyze dreams for people too and and there was um there was this guy in there and he was desperately seeking help and advice and people were, everyone was giving him the wrong advice and and he says, you know, but he was being attacked. All kinds of bad things were happening. So I I, I said a few things, and he private messaged me or instant messaged me right away, and, and then we talked. And um, this guy had been being attacked for two years uh, pretty bad, and all kinds of things happened to him. He'd see this disfigured lady kind of lies up in the corner of his room almost every night and everything. And so – I said, he goes, but I have another investigator working here, but I think, I, I really think you could help me too. And, and I said, well, I don't, I'm not going to step on anyone's toes, make sure this guy's okay. If he's going to stay, you know, a, a part of it, I normally work alone. And Paul, Paul, you know, who was, who was the guy that was there with him um, also worked alone, but we, we said, yeah, we'll collaborate. We'll work together. And that's when I met Paul, you know, but um, so when I got there, I, I think it was the first time I went there, Paul couldn't make it or something, and I I, I, I meet him at the door. Like he, he comes outside on the porch, and he goes, it's like they knew you were coming. He goes, because things were pretty quiet, and all of a sudden, they got crazy over the last half hour. Uh-huh. So we walk in. He walks into his living room. I, I'm standing in the doorway, and a lamp flies off his desk about 15 feet and hits him in the leg, and he goes, see, that's what I'm talking about. And he said it so nonchalant that i knew that he'd been dealing with much much worse because it didn't right like yeah this is
0: like yeah (laughs) this is the tame stuff
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) so um it was pretty it was pretty crazy i even took a picture of of the entity i was talking to him one time and and i started to notice i could see his bedroom door it was right behind where he was sitting and all of a sudden it was like heat off the pavement but it was all swirling but it was kind of the same effect as heat off the pavement. But it was swirling around. I couldn't make out anything in his room. I said, "What is happening there?" And I've seen it before, but it, it only in the real strong cases. So I, I I get up. I start powering my camera. Now back then it was like the, the camera just came out with like top notch camera, right? And this is funny. Sony Mavica, one point three megapixels that took a floppy disk. Okay. <laughs> it cost me oh. like nine hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah that's how long ago that was yeah, so
0: exactly.
1: i, <laughs> so I only walk p- over to- so
0: all these certain people <laughs> that of a certain age believe it or not are going to be able to relate and understand why we're la- right. I'm laughing about that but yeah. anyway go ahead
1: some some of the listeners are going to be like what's a floppy disk you Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I, i'm standing in the doorway and i'm trying to make out you know what's happening i'm just looking but i can't see nothing all of a sudden all that commotion that stuff in the air starts to dissipate and i start i start noticing something bobbing in and out from behind there was a box fan that was sitting on top of a, a, a storage bin in one of those tough you know plastic storage bins and i saw this head bobbing out and then going back in and bobbing out and all of a sudden it comes out more of that dissipates and i can see now and there's this thing this entity um kind of looked human but looked really bizarre staring right at me and black eyes, very black eyes, solid black. And I could tell two things and I could feel it so strongly. This thing was afraid of me because it knew I knew how to get rid of it. It was definitely afraid of me, but it hated my guts. I could feel the hate coming off this thing. Like nothing I've ever felt before. It hated me so bad, but it did, it did mess with me. It's just, it it was afraid. And, um, Mm -hmm. and so so basically what we did was, um, you know, that, that was like the first visit or so. And then um, then me and Paul got there together and, and I, I asked the, the gentleman, uh, his name was Norman. I said, how long have you lived here? He goes, I've lived here for 11 years. My, no, no. He goes, my girlfriend's lived here for 11 years. I've lived here for six years. I said, how long have you been being attacked by this thing? He said, the last two years. So I said, then something happened two years ago that made you put you in a vulnerable emotional state of being or something changed this environment or something that changed you internally. Like something had an effect on you. Um, And he says, well, actually, it started happening three weeks after I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. There you go. Now, pancreatic cancer is pretty much a death sentence, right? So uh, he was terminal and. He was put on meds he couldn't work anymore and who would want to thinking you know they're going to die and Mm -hmm. so he he did he was just sitting at home now thinking about the fact that he's going to die also a vietnam vet so he's thinking about all the memories of his friends being blown up in front of him in vietnam and so nothing but negativity and and he was also a recovering alcoholic so he's a very vulnerable spot and he was in a perfect perfect place for these parasites to to just jump in and said ah we got Mm -hmm. we got something here you know And they started tormenting them because their ultimate goal is to get you into the fear frequency, to get your, you know, your, your frequency to that fear level. And that's when they
0: track like sometimes in some cases is what you're describing.
1: Yeah. And so they they need that. That's what they want the most. So, and, and that worked because um, he woke up one night to this entity The first time I was there, he called me the very next morning. I had only slept for six hours. He called me. He said, you got to come back down here. I woke up at like 3-something in the morning. He goes, and there was a disfigured lady's face inches from mine, and his hair turned white. He looked 100 years older than when I just last saw him. He literally aged. His hair did, it was salt and pepper. His hair turned white just from this experience. I thought that was only in movies, you know. But
0: Yeah, right, exactly. so, So, you. in other words, you knew this guy saw something horrific
1: oh yeah yeah definitely so here here's what we did so we asked them how long have you lived here my girlfriend's lived here for 11 i've lived here for six i've been being intact two years what happened two years ago i've been i was diagnosed with cancer so we said okay what we need to do is we have you're you're in a vulnerable state you're you're in a negative place so we need to elevate you know your emotion and there's no other way better to do that than to get him to do something physically that he, so he cannot revert back to those thoughts something that actually occupies his internal dialogue and his his mind his body uh, it, some kind of action where he it, it occupies him so he doesn't revert back he's busy mm-hmm. doing something positive so he can't think of the negative and yeah. so i said you know you gotta take walks volunteer at the soup kitchen um you know, do whatever, do something that makes you feel good about yourself, but stay active doing something positive that makes you feel good. And so he actually did that. He, he volunteered a soup kitchen, and the soup kitchen was in the basement of, of a stone church. That same stone church, for some reason, was scheduled to be torn down. It was the oldest stone church in Rhode Island, okay. and he let he led a fight to save it. So he now he's on the front page of the paper. He's on the nightly news. He had drive, he had purpose, he was doing something positive. Mm-hmm. The entity di- disappeared. It just vanished, gone. It was just, boom, connection mm-hmm. broken. And not, not only that, his cancer disappeared off the of x-ray. He's still alive oh. today, ca- cancer free. That is one out of three cases that I've done in my life where the cancer and the parasite disappear at the same time. In other words, that, that is no. Low-
0: Let me ask, when you were saying the parasite, you're talking here a non-human entity, right?
1: Um, Yes. I'm Even though I know a, you said it, that he
0: saw a woman, but as far as you're concerned, your sen- your sense was that it was a non-human entity.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think they're human, but they're definitely a life form. They're they're definitely some kind of life form, but they're we call them parasitic. Mm-hmm. Ba- you know, par- parasitic entity because it basically labels it what they're doing, their personality, what they what they want. Um, they're they're parasitic, and and so other people who would call them demons and, and whatever right else, right so.
0: right no i know everybody sometimes and and of course the demon the d word is so much scarier <laughs> that yeah i yeah. think it's overused <laughs> uh, yeah let me ask Shane, so, do yeah, you that... think there's any possibility because i know you said that basically his his diagnosis of the cancer was like what this was the the the, the, the event the triggering event Do you think that it was the way he was feeling or was it something that he picked up maybe when he went to the hospital, something that basically gravitates around where there's illness and death or it was just something that he called to himself because he basically like what you said, he thought I'm dying
1: right it was it it was the fact that he was in a vulnerable lowered emotional state of being and so when we're down there think of it in frequency i can't say frequency enough Mm -hmm. actual frequency measurable frequency when we can connect with these entities um when we're elevated we're in a good place they can they can't talk to us they can't communicate with us um, these these parasites um they they might come into your house they might try to do something Mm -hmm. but if if um you know if, if you don't offer that fear and that right. attention then th- they're not going to elevate but they truly connect with people that are um you i'll point point this out too um but people that are in, in lowered emotional state uh of, of being or fearful too fear is another thing so um that's why a lot of people when they they get into this paranormal work or use a ouija board they get An attachment themselves is because they're afraid. Uh, You know, not only are they given attention, but they become a little nerved and fearful. And those—that's what they want from you. So they connect with you and they—they attach to you. So, um, I was gonna say, uh, you know
0: what? I tell everybody, (laughs) anybody that's done this work for, for length of time, and you know, inevitably, you know, you go through the cases that are nothing there, or, but you run across certain cases that you're—they're scary, for lack of a better word. Most people, I realize after a while, they need to take us about. They need to step back because they feel almost like what you're describing. Like, I need to step away from this and just live a regular life where I'm not dealing with dead people or people, you know, suffering from haunting. Like, they have to create that boundary because I think they feel in themselves the danger that comes right. of doing this with no break in between. Like, in other yeah. words, you're alive and whatever it is is dead, or in this case, a parasite, but, but, you know feeds on fear
1: right right and yeah and we're people get weird out sometimes because they we get a lot of questions asked you know I I co-host on Pauline's show a lot and we get Mm -hmm. questions there and I do I do other shows I just started my own show too and and, but the question comes in a lot that you know people say well you you tell people that they they shouldn't do this work but you do it you know but you know really that's not what we mean It, it takes it, it takes the right character type, and um, I've helped so many investigators that got in trouble. Like, I'm talking bad trouble. I, there was this one investigator who was older than me, said he was very experienced, but he says, but, you know, I, I, I need to learn from you. Can you mentor me? And and so I, I, I said I met with him, and I agreed to. This guy ended up – I took him to one case, and what he experienced, he thought – he, he told me he was very ex- experienced with all this stuff that he he's witnessed it. He, he, you know, what he experienced in this house, what he witnessed blew his mind so much that he ended up going cuckoo a little bit. He, he ended up losing his house. He lost his wife. Wow. He lost his job. Yeah. He, he this guy had a, he, he had like a house, you know, like it was like a six, $700,000 home, um, lovely wife. He had a, a six figure job. And he lost everything. He's living in a trailer home in a very nasty city right now. And I, now what happened was I helped him through that and I got him better. Okay. So he, this is, he kept, he, at this time, he, 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 was going, he was spiraling bad. So I got him through all that. I fixed everything. He, he still had his house, his wife, and his, his job at the time. Right. But he then, I, I told him, no more paranormal work for you. Uh, you know we can stay friends we'll hang out we'll do stuff but you're not right. doing the paranormal with me me anymore he opened up his own website oh. started to try to help people oh. and he got himself in trouble again what? you know and lost it, lost everything you know, you know so what? Th- th- I,
0: I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm, on some of my other shows I mentioned it and, and, I, and I, I'm going to blame it on all these paranormal reality shows that make it look so exciting you know and it's like even if you think, man, this is fascinating, or I would love to do that, that sounds so exactly like what you said, not everybody has the temperament, or th- how can I say, the mental, w- it's, it's a bunch of emotion. it's a bunch of things that to handle an investigation like what you're describing. Because yeah, sometimes right. you're going to go to some stuff that's there's nothing there. It's like, okay, somebody with a great imagination, or a raccoon in the attic. And then, okay so what's the worst you tell the person uh, no or maybe something that's a residual but somewhere along the line if you get somebody that their boundaries have been violated a uh, host of other things that runs across something like what you're describing a very dark or malevolent haunting or attachment or something going on in that house there they've, they've got basically a big bullseye on their head
2: oh yeah absolutely. Attachment.
0: You know, yep. and, and, and they don't want to hear it. like what exactly like what you just described. You gave him your best advice, like, hey, stay away from this type of work. Not not temporarily as in forever. And he, like you said, he went off and he started it. But let me ask, what happened to him originally? Was it something that he witnessed or something that attached to him from that case that he went with you on to begin with? What happened?
1: Well, he believed something that followed him home, but nothing did. um i'm 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 extremely scientific but but i'm uh, i'm very sensitive to these things because i've like i like i said i've been connected to it so you yeah once you once you've experienced it and you're you're kind of brought into that area and i'm talking like a near death which i've had three in my life Mm -hmm. then you're tuned to, to 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 things and basically when i was 10 um that's really when it happened. but So you, you can feel these things. You you, yes. you just sense it. And so um, and nothing did follow him home. He believed it. He believed something. did He started to associate anything that happened with uh, something followed him home. Like, you know, if, okay. if something fell right. off the yeah. shelf, oh, it, you know. And he couldn't shut it out from his internal dialogue. It was controlling his internal dialogue. Something's uh-huh. here. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? You know. Okay. Um, but he... Two things did happen. Um, he he did witness in the basement of this of this house. Th- there was um, the, we got pictures of them too. Light discharges, but they were they, they almost looked like. Um, it's hard to explain, cause but, but anyways, was there was there was light discharges. There was also one with like tails that were just like moving around the basement, but him and there was other investigators at this this location at one point where they were all attacked by something. Something surrounded them. They they got earaches, they got headaches. They they had to get out of the basement immediately because they were in pain. This this happened to him, but he he couldn't move. I, I went over, I was walking through and he's just sitting there and he was like shaking and he's like I can't move. I can't move and wow. Um he he was the perfect type of person that he had a very paranoid personality. Oh
0: yeah. I was about to say, you're describing as somebody that's paranoid. Like, like you said, every little thing was, you know, it wasn't like stuff that happens to everybody. Like what you said, he read into it that it was a result of what had attached to him or followed him home.
1: Right. Yeah. And so, um, so you know, now I'm chasing this thing around. I'm, I, I, I go into I feel I'm in the. I feel the cold spot. This thing, and I feel my hair moves and everything. It runs away from me, and I I'm fall. I'm going around the basement. I find it again, and it runs away from me. My hair moves, you know, and I'm chasing this thing around. Now the difference between me and other these other investigators was, it's a hundred percent without a doubt programmed in me, that I have no fear of these things whatsoever because I know I know how to get rid of them, a hundred percent, and mm-hmm. so the the process that I use it absolutely works and when you have no fear they have no power on you and I I absolutely do not fear them at all I actually they're so easy to get rid of from you know with this process that I use that was given to me um, that I look down on them. it's so people give them so much power but it's like Mm -hmm. if you realize how cowardly and simple they are and how easy it is to get rid of them it's it just it they're pathetic and It it just is how it is, and um, it's terrible.
0: Once, once, let's say you've if somebody's got an attachment from one of these parasites, and let's say you help this person get rid of it, are they vulnerable after that? As in, they got to be careful where they go, what they do, because it could allow another parasite to come in, or or that's it.
1: See, and this this is a good question, and I'll tell you why. So one of the things I'm going to answer this in two different ways, but um, to illustrate there, I started to realize, you know, when I was real young, when I started doing this work, you know, why do, you know, everyone turns to like religious or spiritual practices to Mm -hmm. get rid of these things. And so, but it doesn't seem to work all the time. And most of the time it doesn't work. And sometimes, sometimes it does work and it works for a little while. But then it comes back, and when it comes back, it's a it's a whole lot worse. Yes. So I started to, you know, this was in, in my process. Okay, let's find out why. And and so I, I go in after I I've, I've gone in after hundreds of priests. And this is not knocking any religion or mm-hmm. nothing like that. Every right. every religion is good. If, if it's done for the right reason. The problem I have with a lot of religions is they're fear-based. If you do this, you're going to burn, you know, and and that is why a lot of my worst cases were people that were dysfunctionally religious. They were in re- religions that used fear yes. and these people lived in fear and they, so they became targets. And yet, yes. so if, if, if the religion was going to use be used to get rid of the entity, why did, why did it not circumvent the attachment to begin with? Exactly. So I yeah, I started to look at these things. So what I realized was the religious practice works if it has a positive effect on the afflicted, um, it, but it, it not on the entity. It has nothing to do with the entity that process. And because I've I've gone in after so many priests to realize that that's not that's the case. So it's if it has a positive effect on the afflicted and, and raise them out of that lowered state that they were in, and mm-hmm. they can sustain that. Then the entity stays gone but the problem is most people they they feel lifted at the moment during this this religious practice that was done in their home they feel lifted for the moment but then they revert back to their old ways of thinking and their old issues and the entity comes back and it's worse than ever so that this is yeah this is how it is so therefore that that taught me that these practices whether smudging Sponging does do do some good. It's it is a purifier and stuff like that, but it's not gonna keep that thing gone. It it might it might make a leap for the pro for the moment, but if you revert back to your old ways of thing and it's coming back because it's connected to you. And Mm -hmm. and so yeah, so And let me um, ask does that
0: account for why people will say after a while you realize it you're not living in the haunted house, you're the one that's haunted because this thing follows them from location to location?
1: Yeah. And that's what I tell people in the event of negative haunts, it's not the home being haunted. It's the person that is a yeah. fact. I mean, in, in my work, I mean, I, I have so much documentation to show this. And so, you know, <clears throat> I had another point to make, but, um, I forget anyway well, we'll
0: get, And one of the things I want to mention, which I think was so interesting, you know, you remember how you said that, that, encounter that you have with that entity that you could feel like this hate in other words is pure yeah. hate towards you yep. and that is one of the things i've heard from experienced exorcists including priests as a matter of fact the uh the late dr malaki also mentioned it that that was one of his tip-offs uh when he encountered somebody that was truly possessed because he says you felt the hate that this entity mm-hmm. felt towards you he says it's nothing like you know, you can you can have another human being dislike you or even what they call hate, but he says that it was the description was pure, unadulterated, malevolent hate.
1: You yes. feel it? Yeah. And so that's that's absolutely true. But so that that's another thing I was um, was going for on that last question was um no, I forget it again. I just it just blew my mind. <laughs> it just left me. Um, but, oh no, it was about the 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 religious practice and, and yes, why yes. it doesn't usually work. And you know, because c- like I said, I've gone in after hundreds of priests. I've been uh, gone in after uh, most of the famous demonologists that we know and see on TV, mm-hmm. um, and in, in a, lo- a lot of all the other investigators, and I help a lot of investigators. And so, and they're all pretty much using the same type of tactic. And so there's a reason why that doesn't work. So a long time ago, I I was like, well, why not? You know, so I unlearned everything I thought I knew and I just put down that process to identify these trends and to use the knowledge that was handed to me, gifted to me. And, and, and so I started to realize that, you know, these practices do not treat the root cause. They're, they're, they're a tool that basically, if it if it can get the person in the right emotional state, Right. then it, it will break the connection, but it usually doesn't happen. So therefore, those practices are a placebo. Yeah. that's all they are.
2: You're right.
1: And so what what I do is I manipulate the true mechanics, and we are participants in in interaction with these entities. so I, I end up being so I have to identify the root cause with the person. So a lot of times I'm a marriage counselor, I'm a drug counselor, um, I'm, you know, I'm just yes. uh, a psychologist, you know, yes. and I have a background in all that too. I'm a, mm-hmm. I have a mm-hmm. uh, pretty broad background in human services. Right. And so well, I'll tell you one one story. There was this, I got contacted by a 51 year old lady um, from Connecticut, Southern Connecticut, down by the seacoast.
2: Right.
1: She said, my mom's my mom's being attacked and raped and stuff by something. Her mom's 72 years old. Oh. So. She had two famous groups go in there. She had a a priest go in there And it just got worse and worse and worse. It just kept happening. Nothing seemed to help and and so um, Basically, then they heard of me and and I I go down and I said, okay, so when did this all start happening? She said after my husband my, my husband passed away. There you go. And so what it was was She had history. She had a bad memory in her life that happened as a child, but her husband was a, a WMT diabetic who needed a lot of care, mm-hmm. so she was busy. She was occupied. Her internal dialogue was occupied, right. caregiving to him, and keeping him her from going into these bad moments. These were reliving, right. you know, these memories in her head. So she was, and they also were best friends. So they they were having, you know, they talk all day long, and she'd have to do a lot of care for him and stuff like that. But when he passed away. She had nothing to do. Being retired and stuff is to sit at home. And what do we do in our old? Oh, our, well, we're not old that yeah. that old yet. That but unresolved trauma what, doesn't
0: matter if it happened sixty years before.
1: Right, and so we start to reflect on our lives. And and now what happened was she's been she's been being raped. She actually she went through menopause in her fifties. She had a she got raped at one time. She went to the bathroom. She had blood, and. She could hear two things in the room when this has happened. There's one doing something to her, and then there's another one in the room she can hear. And now she'd be grabbed by the her ankles and slid down towards the base of the bed. So her her daughter one night, who's 51, and, and uh, mm-hmm. both very intelligent women, too, been successful, too, by the way. Uh-huh. She Her her daughter stayed the night with her one time. She goes, I, I could tell my mom's going through something, but I didn't expect this, What what happened this night. She said they were both on their back. She wrapped her leg around her mom's leg, like over the top of her mom's leg to make her mom feel comfortable, you know, and secure. She said, Shane, there was a head that started to rise up through the sheets at the foot of the bed and start moving up towards us. And she goes, I jumped out of the bed. I ripped the covers off and there was nothing there. She goes, but it was real. She goes, there was something there. And so um, so when I, I asked the lady when it started to happen, like I said, her husband passed away. So what I said, um, so what happens? She starts reflecting on her life and as a child from the age of six until she, until she can remember, until she was old enough to move out of the house, her father molested and raped her. Her there father crawl crawling. I, I was
0: about to tell you this, it was this, the, the trauma that she had as a child. Yeah. Boy,
1: he would he would crawl in on his hands and knees and go to the base of bed grab her grab her by the ankles and slide her to the base of the bed and molest her um i, I don't know how much i can say but with his mouth and his parts right and, exactly
0: uh, right right and
1: and um and so now now she goes is it my father i said no it's not your father what it is it's a parasite feeding mm-hmm. on this it you don't have to say it out loud. It knows through emotional frequencies and th- thought frequencies exactly how to push your buttons, That's and it's doing what what it needs to do to keep you in that vulnerable state. It's acting like your father, and so um, somebody else she had talked to said, "Oh, well, you have to you have to forgive your father." And I said, "That's stupid." I said, "You don't have to forgive your father." I said, "What you need to do there's a difference. You don't have to forgive him. You should never." You don't forgive somebody of that, especially until they make amends. But uh, if they change their ways, and then maybe you can do that. But what 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 you need to do is you need to accept that it happened. You need to accept it as part of your life. Exactly. And and so because uh, what, what it made you who you are.
0: She was exactly what you're saying. Even if she forgave him, she would still be the victim. And what you're telling us we have to get you out of that victim mentality because she was being victimized that's what it sounds like victimized all over again like she was as a child
1: yep that's exactly what i told her you even use that same word victim mentality but also we you need to um focus on more positive and realize that you know your life experience led to the person that you are today um beautiful home Great, you know, her daughter was very successful. Her children, you know, her grandkids, and just and like I said, both very charming, very intelligent people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you have a lot to be thankful for. It's not a good memory. You need to accept that it happened and right. just let it go. Let it go. Yeah, and and, and, and free I imagine even from it.
0: at this point, probably her dad was dead. I take it if she was already in her seventies, what you're gonna go a guy that that's dead is like, no. You know.
1: Yeah. Jesus. So, and, and so I get emails from them. Every, this was like four years ago or so. And okay. every year I get a, a, an email from them saying that, you know, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This thing's been totally gone. We haven't seen it. Nothing's happened at all. And, and so I didn't have to go in there and splash holy water around, read from the Bible, right. do smudgings or nothing like that. All I did was go in there and educate them on the mechanics and what they were doing wrong and what, how to fix it. and, counsel them a little bit and and as long as and mo, all fortunately all the people i go to help finally understand that some people are hard to convince of this process because they're so used to what they see on yeah, tv i was gonna and say
0: re- yeah if, if you're not if you're not throwing holy water around or something more dramatic for lack of a better word it's like yeah uh, <laughs> yeah because that thanks hollywood <laughs> you
1: know? right right but one, one thing i i do know is this this um, process works one hundred percent of the time, and it doesn't fail. And um, you know, yeah.
0: there was. Um, I I truly one... believe that sounds so. Um, people, uh, and, and it is exactly like, like you said, when you would maybe when you looked at this woman from the outside, she was very successful, and she had brought up her family. Like you said. Anybody looking from the outside, not knowing the trauma, what, what had happened to as a child would think, okay, but that, that incident, which was horrible and was systemic for so many years, that, that basically was something that she was enduring, for lack of a better word, till she was what, in her seventies, you said? That's horrible.
1: Yeah, so, 72, yeah. yeah.
0: And there's a lot but of people that, like that. There's a lot of people like that. That, that. Oh, yeah that even if they're not going through something as dramatic as maybe a parasite attachment they they uh they still haven't come to terms like you said with what happened to them you know they they uh and you know they 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 go on and sometimes I don't even talk to anybody about it which is the worst part and probably who right, knows if right. she wouldn't have ever said anything to anybody if it wasn't for the fact that she was getting attacked
1: right right yeah yeah, wow. it's, it's horrible so and
0: you said so you go in you're the cl- you're, you're the cleaner you know how they talk about these guys that go in you know when there's a murder the cleaner you're the psychic cleaner you yeah. go in there after everybody's <laughs> like messed everything up and going uh sorry but it didn't work <laughs> so they call you in
1: yeah. but yeah it's, it's really hard to i help a lot of other investigators and and there's a lot of ego in, in this work you know and and so unfortunately there's a lot of investigators that won't reach out and i i've you know and they'll just leave their client high and dry because Mm -hmm. they know they can't fix the problem and and hopefully you know a lot a lot of these find their way to me eventually um but then there are a lot of investigators that and i would never name drop but you'd be shocked if i told you some of the names i've gone in and after and what what these investigators have done like you know I'm talking like big names and stuff, oh, yeah, and yeah. it just it it's terrible. It's terrible and and but you know if it, it, it's okay to say you don't know that you're stuck. Yes, you know the, the, the main it's like the,
0: it's like it's, I, I've I've spoken about this in other shows. It's like there's a point where let's say you go into what you think is an okay is a normal investigation. When I say a normal, I don't mean anything malevolent or along these lines. But somewhere in there, you realize either like what you described like like okay there's no shame in retreat to reconnoiter you know and say you know what i'm out of my depth and of course like you said you don't leave that client high and dry but before you make it worse you're better off saying uh let me see what i can do for you and you need to leave because a lot of times like you said if their ego gets in the way they end up making things worse for that poor client
1: Oh yeah. And you know, a, a lot of these people do that too. And, and uh, their, their techniques while they're there too, a lot of times they're so focused on evidence and, and they use antagonistic techniques to try to get evidence and, and they're making it worse. It's at the expense yeah. of, of, the client. And that's the yes. most, if a client calls me and says, I'm being attacked, I have a negative thing. I need it gone. I don't care about taking pictures. I don't take pictures. I don't take EVPs. I don't do none of that. I go in there and I get rid of the problem. Now, if someone yes. calls me and says, Hey, we got, we got stuff happening in the house. We just want verification. It's not harmful or nothing like that. We just want verification. So we know we're not crazy. Then I'll go in there and I'll use right. my equipment. But if so, someone's being, you know, the family's being traumatized, I go in there and I deal, deal with the issue, but these other groups, they don't do that. And fortunately there's been some, uh, quite a few groups, uh, quite a few investigators over the years that, um, that, you know, put that ego to rest and where they, you know, they're, they're more humble than most of the other ones. And, and they get a case and they know it's over their head and they'll call, call me and says, you know, we really need your help. And, and I've gone in there and I've helped them and, and, um, every one of those cases are still problem, problem free. And, and, you know, and that's that. And I even, I try to help them. I tried to help them with the understanding of the investigators themselves. I try to teach them and stuff and, and help them to, you know, do better work in the future and have a better understanding, you know, so. So
0: in and, and, yeah. uh, answer to that question that I asked you about, you know, people that let's say you go in there and you, you know, you help them and they, you, for lack of a better word, you clear it. Are they still vulnerable if they fall back into what you're, what, what were you talking about? Like the fear, the fear, or oh, whatever, the whatever it was that triggered them into that it could come back. In other words, I guess is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. Um, and that's why my process is different. So if all these other techniques, what they do is they they elevate the person for the moment it, it, it gets rid of it that's the reason why it works it doesn't have an effect on the entity itself it has if it has a positive effect on the individual then it breaks the connection this thing can't really feed it you go somewhere else but if you fall back in that old way of thinking it, it comes back so with my process is it's a, a lot of it is an education to the afflicted to and also a guidance to get them out of where they are if they're in this lowered emotional state this vulnerable state I, I pinpoint what that what the issue is. If it's a childhood memory, mm-hmm. if it's um, a cancer diagnosis, if it, whatever it is, like I said, I've been a, a, a drug counselor, a, you know mm-hmm. it, it, all kinds of different things. I have to treat people in their personal matters, in their, in their you know, heal their hearts and help their minds and get them on a positive track. And yes. so I, and, and I teach them how to stay that way so this thing does not return and they they know if they do revert back i had a case in rochester new hampshire Um, most of my cases aren't in in my own state where i live but uh, most of them are everywhere else but but there was one um rochester new hampshire back in 2003 where this family was it was very 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 active and they've had all kinds of people go in there and try to help them and it didn't work and and so um but the problem i was having with this family was to get them to talk about things they 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 were thinking like you know they had a shaman go in there do a smudging it did it didn't you know helped a little bit and then it came back and then a priest and and whatever else so they weren't used to my technique they, they thought it was just going to be you go in there you do some kind of weird thing and the thing disappears but so i'm at i'm asking them questions and I, I don't i'm not so direct i i, I start slowly to get people to open up and I don't force them to talk about their personal issues I I do it in such a way that they start opening them up uh, up on their own Mm -hmm. but the problem I was having was when I was doing this it's all started with the the lady of the house the mother of the house and whenever she wanted to talk she would like kind of cower her head and she would look at her husband and he would just give her a look and and she wouldn't talk and He was, t- with his eyes, I, mean, I could feel it emotionally that he was telling her, don't you dare talk, you know, about stuff. But So I, I knew there was issues, um, marital yeah. issues and, and, and everything else. So finally we got her alone, and um, I had a team at the time, and me and my assistant were were standing in the bedroom. We walked in there. She was going to show us something real quick, and the, the, the father was occupied with somebody else. I shut the door and and so I asked her some questions to get her to open up that weren't so directed. And I can't remember what I asked her, but when I when she started to answer, she looked anxious, like I could finally talk, you know, and, and it was like she wanted to get out so bad. And when she did that, there were like sparks all around her head, just <laughs> like these discharges around her head, which I've seen before. It's it's not that common, but they're like many fireworks almost. And um, my assistant grabbed my arm and was squeezing because she had never seen seen anything like that. that. And uh, (laughs) so, but basically um, what it was was they had, um, the the guy had a a son from his first marriage who was, this kid was kind of like uh, not in a very good place. And he, he moved in with them. He was in his early twenties and he was doing bad things and there was, it was causing huge problems between them in their relationship and everything. And, and so it started, this entity showed up and started attacking the mother and, um, so I, I told her, you know, if something happens, ignore it like nothing ever happened. Don't give it no attention. Just act like matter-of-factly like, oh, okay. So the plate slid off the desk Oh well, well no big deal. Right. Just don't let it phase you, phase you at all. Don't think about it. Wipe it clean from your internal dialogue. Don't think about what's going to happen next. What's mm-hmm. going to happen next. Try to o- occupy yourself with positive actions, positive things. And so she was doing all that. And what this entity did was, okay, If you're not going to pay attention to me, I know how to get you to pay attention to me. And it started going after the kids. And so a four-year-old got thrown through a bathroom on one of our visits. Luckily, he was okay. Um, But, and so then I had to basically treat the whole family. And, and, And once I got them to understand the process, the thing disappeared. And I had, it was like, let's see that was number three so probably seven years later um i had heard from them periodically for a little while and then everything was good so i didn't hear back from him. it was like seven years later i i found their number in my files and i, and I decided to give them a call and see everything was all right and they said yeah yeah we're still good she she said twice we f- fell back into um old our old ways Mm-hmm. And, and it started to come back. So we're like, Oh, we have to do what Shane said. And, and she goes, when we did that and and everything was fine, it would, it would go away again. So she's. And what um,
0: happened? Did that older son, did he continue living there? Was he in on the plan to like, as far as what they needed to do or what happened with him?
1: Yeah, I think he ended up uh, moving out. And if I remember correctly and, but there was, there was other issues too, like um, with the marriage, Um, you know, I, I could, you know sense well, and also i was also... about to say
0: because that dirty look she was getting from her husband that's like, that, that, that was yeah like, yeah that's not a good thing like,
1: like the couch smelled like dirty feet and deer so i i knew he's been sleeping there for, for you know oh. during the night that so that was a clear indication. not only just sensing it but it was just the, the evidence was there you know and um but all in all they were they were a, a, a i like the people um no, I, I but I exactly was exactly
0: what you mean but but in other words you know it's like okay well maybe the the finger points immediately to this thing about your kid but there's other stuff that was going on here that that made it manifest easier i guess is what i'm saying uh, yeah so... so i take it you didn't sit long on that sofa only kidding <laughs> you know why I'm saying that because I've been to some places where it's like uh no I don't care how tired i am I'm not sitting on that sofa <laughs> like <laughs> no <laughs> because you know exactly like <laughs> no, no, no. it's it,
1: it's it's crazy you know because um a lot of the cases that we do like um over the years right now everyone that I get now and it's been this way for years or an actual parasitic attachment and but there was there was a, a, a a period there where gosh, you know, um, you know, cause I do a lot of, I do FM shows. I do, um, internet shows and, and lecture abroad and everything. And so, and, and TV once in a while. And, and so you, you do some of these, you know, radio shows, for instance, and, and you get contacted from people and they're like, Oh yeah, we got stuff happening in our house. Can you come by? And so like this one, one time I drove four hours one way four hours up and, and I don't That's charge, you know? Yeah. I don't charge people, you know, and, and I, I make money. I own a remodeling business, but I also make money doing some of the uh, the lecturing that I do and, and other stuff that I do mm-hmm. in the field, but I don't charge people that are, that are having these issues, you know, it wouldn't right. be, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be right. So, um, and I, I of course I've had people insist and, wouldn't have it any other way and and give me money but I I would never ask and I don't and I tried not to take it but there's some people that just won't not let me take it but so um, but one time I drove four hours one way and I get there and and they're just asking me about oh how long have you been doing this you know and tell tell us your craziest case and 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 you're like (laughs) yeah so basically just wanting to meet me that so what's going on here well not much you know and okay you know so basically you know they just wanted to meet you or whatever and it's it's flattering but it it just cost me like 150 bucks to come here you know right <laughs> you know? It's, it's, so.
0: i want to say that sometimes people they're you get those personalities which they're for lack of a better word they're kind of narcissistic or it's like all about them like like you said i just drove four hours and it cost me money
1: yeah <laughs> for you to what
0: to, to ask me about my life like what yeah
1: but yes. I, I love i love talking about this stuff so much so it, it, it's easy just to kind of like get over well, it you know because at least you get to talk about it with somebody who's interested too you know
0: but you know um, what the way that. i think about it is that time that you spent with them maybe it, there was another case that you could have somebody that had legitimate you know that they needed you in other words really needed you versus like yeah because let me tell you driving that's a four hour that's an eight hour by the time you got back that's people don't realize driving can be tiring
2: oh
1: yeah yeah definitely and, and
0: this is the, you know. have you ever had um situations because, because what you're describing is stuff that's happening externally like you think is getting thrown and of course people reacting and the way they're feeling have you ever had where it's actually affecting their behavior almost like you know when i'm gonna use possession because that's the best even i'm not talking about the traditional thing of possession but where it actually alters the person's behavior
1: yeah yeah definitely definitely it, it, i mean it, it it really takes a lot of people because it, it you know, these things are drawing off of you. And, mm-hmm. and it, it, so it does affect people um, physically, but also therefore eventually becomes um, emotionally too. And, and it really gets in their head and, and, and it drains them. And, the, you know, whether it's they become depressed, but they're, that that part of the, the process is kind of what they need too, because they want you to become lowered. Right. They want you to be depressed. That's where they need you. So it's, it's kind of like playing into their hands. But yes, I've I've definitely seen it, in where people become withdrawn, and and you know marriages fail, and you know relationships, and people pull away from their children, children pull away from their parents, um, absolutely. And but here's here's a story that just happened um, mm-hmm. because it's some of these things are not always um, this. So I, I I do, you know, um, I'm well known for um, my dealings with the, the parasitic entities but i i do ufology as well and okay. so i've been doing a lot of um lectures recently for some reason i did just back to back to back ufo conferences okay. and i did um one one that i did um very well known on the east coast here um one of the biggest ones and i spoke and then there was these p- people that 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 were there attendees or whatever that had friends that had a send. I was institutionalized in a, in a facility for people with, um, disorders, you know, mental disorders and everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, but it was more like a resort. It was, it was an upscale type of place, you know, it was, it was right. nice, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so this, this Latino couple, they approached me and they, Oh, we got friends, you know, and, and, um, and so they put them in t- touch with me and, this this uh, this other Latino couple contacts me. They have a son. His name was Danny. He was 26 years old. He's in the facility, and um, beautiful people, very successful too. You know they they you know they had money, did well with their lives, and and their son was very intelligent, um, honor roll student all through high school and everything. But um, something happened when he was 17. Well, for some, he went to visit his grandma in uh, Puerto Rico when he was younger, okay. and he saw a. He said he saw a shadow person in her house. Okay. And then, so that's where it began there. But then, when he was 17, he, they went to Sedona, Arizona, and um, and he something happened to him. He 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 was having panic attacks. He disappeared from his family. They couldn't find him, and. And he told me he went without eating for a while. He was like fasting without wanting to, and that made a, that made his issues a lot worse. Sure. And he felt that whatever was affecting him, um, it, it was getting worse when he didn't eat. So then, when he was, um, 25, because he he hasn't been in, in this institution for that long. Okay.
2: Because
1: when when he was about 25, now all of a sudden this voice is telling him to hurt his family, hurt himself. Okay. He says, I hear it. it's telling me to hurt people and hurt myself. And I, I don't want to hurt my family. I love my family. And, and, right. and so, um, you know, cause I, 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 am driving, he, he was in Vermont. I had to drive up to Vermont, um, quite a ways to, to meet with him. And we spoke just me and him, me and Danny, the father took a walk and, and I inter- interviewed him because they, they thought that, um, that he, might have uh, an attachment in that it wasn't his diagnosis. He was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder, which is a form of
0: kind of like, was he diagnosed with some type of schizophrenia or psychosis? So, but they're, but they're thinking, okay, they're, and I know where the, what these parents were thinking. So what happened after you, when you were talking to him, this is super interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they, they wanted to say, well, you know, Shane has a hundred percent success rate getting rid of these negative entities. We think that he actually has an attachment mm-hmm. so he can, he can fix Danny and stuff like that. And so I said, well, let me meet with him. I do have a background in, in disorders and disabilities and human services and, and stuff like that. So, um, I was able to ask the right questions to, you know, determine, you know, if he had an attachment or if, if he had a psychosis and or disorder, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, No question that I asked him led me to believe that there was no answer that he gave me that would tell me that he had an attachment. You know, um, a lot of the questions weren't leading. Some of them were more more obvious, like, does any paranormal activity happen around you? Nope, he says, you know. And, well, does this happen? No, no. Does this happen? No. So does it vocalize through your your physical mouth, or is it just voices in your head? He's just in my head. No one, no, can anybody else hear them? No, nobody else can hear him. And so, did it, did it ever tell you anything that you wouldn't know otherwise? It had it not told you. No, no, not no. You know, except for one word. It was, it was a word that meant uh, peace or joy in, um, in, in a different language. And he said that he didn't know that language or that or that word prior to, but that was the only thing. But so I honestly 100 percent believe that his his diagnosis is accurate and i said you know so i think you're you're in the right place i said but i told him even you can improve your diet and eat certain foods that will absolutely fuel your brain to improve your symptoms dramatically um because they're seeing uh, dramatic uh improvements in in people with autism and other types of disorders and disabilities with, that are brain associated with yeah. the ketogenic diet, high yes. fat diets that are helping mm-hmm. the brain function and p- kids that haven't been able to speak their whole lives are now talking. Yes. And, you know, and so I said, you know, you can do that. And it's, you know, we, that this will help. And so I still try to help them, but he was, I think they were all, um, I think Danny became depressed and felt like, you know, I think he kind of momentarily gave up hope because he really thought he had an attachment. And where I told him, I I don't believe he did. I think he he respected my experience and stuff. And and he disappeared. He um, I got a phone call from his parents. It, his father texted me. His mother called me crying. Danny disappeared um, without a trace. He he was on the computer at 9:30 one night. Um, at see, at at like 11 or so, a counselor saw him and, you know, saw him um, somewhere. I don't know, didn't speak with him. But then in the morning, he was gone. Vannis Road Trace didn't take any of his personal belongings.
0: So this was, was, in other words, this facility was not locked. He wasn't locked in. He could come and go at will?
1: Apparently, pretty odd, right? And um, and we're we're talking in the middle of nowhere, too. This is like Mm -hmm. total country, the middle of Vermont. And so he was gone, I think, for like three days, and they finally found him. And he will not—he has not talked about why he left. Um, he acts like nothing happened, like everything's okay. He's back to the way he was, like nothing. And and, it, and it's sad, you know. But I I say that because um, now his father, his father is an RN, a registered nurse, right. and his father says that I I work in facilities where there are people that are diagnosed with disorders that i absolutely do not believe have those disorders i think they have attachments and i absolutely agree because we've seen this i've dealt Mm -hmm. i've worked in hospitals i've been called into hospitals anonymously they said you can't tell anybody because we'll lose our jobs but and, you know, this is the way they're being treated, but we don't believe that that's what they have because things are moving around the room, you know, and stuff like right, that. Right, exactly,
0: so. yeah. Where, where, it, it, <laughs> where is that in the DSM, you know? <laughs> Stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I Totally, but you know what? It's just easier to, what is it, label or diagnose somebody with something, and let's not look at that other part.
2: Right. Know. I, that I was, was hoping very that.
0: that was that you were honest you know you had questioned him and probably his parents were hoping it was going to be something different but yeah. it is what it is and was... a lot of people don't realize that even especially when you got that type of diagnosis which part of the thing is that you know that they take their meds on a regular basis but sometimes yeah. even when they do that they can still cycle off of them like and they do that weird stuff like what you described that they leave and. yeah yeah. i'm sure he was getting his meds and then they'll come back but that's sometimes why unfortunately that type of diagnosis it's really difficult for them to be living like on their own because they stop taking their meds or if they cycle off and then um it can get it can get really ugly especially when they go through those episodes but you were describing that he's hearing a voice telling him to hurt his family that's like yeah
1: right I was really hoping that it was going to be an attachment because I know I could fix that. And, and unfortunately with his condition, it can be cured and, and um, you know, we, we, you can improve it at the moment, but there's nothing that can cure it. And, and I um, mean, he, fit, he fit the mold because it, it schizoaffective affective disorder. Does, you're not born with it being obvious. It, it comes mm-hmm. out a little bit later and later yeah. in life. And it's, it is tr- usually triggered by something dramatic, you know, something that really shook you, in your and then all of a sudden, boom, you've got this. Yeah. so it, it it in a sense, it's kind of like a parasitic attachment too. So it really I, I'm still um, it, you know, you got to wonder because there there are similarities there and, and a parasitic attachment, how it how it starts is the same as a a schizoaffective disorder um kind of kicks off the same way with something life altering that usually triggers it and so you got to wonder but unfortunately um if it is something like that it's it's a different type of entity or something or 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 an attachment or it just is a disorder
0: what happens like let's say in the cases where you've been brought in and the person's got an attachment obviously they're looking for help they're like you know this is happening or after i moved here or this you know like those these triggering events What do you think happens, and I don't know if you've even run across this, somebody that, for lack of a better word, invited it or is receptive to it, does it just totally take them over to where basically they basically de-escalate and become horrible human beings and do horrible things? You think that some of the, I want to say horrific things that sometimes you see that people do to another person is a result... Of an attachment
1: I think sometimes yeah but what I found is the majority of the people that are are being attacked by these parasitic entities Mm -hmm. are very very sensitive people they're they're usually very caring loving people they wear their heart on their sleeves which also makes them a target I guess and and you know I, I think we should all be that way but unfortunately in, even in real life, there's human beings that will take advantage of us oh, yeah. when we're that way. Of course, they'll feed off of that, you know. Oh, Shane won't say no. I'll, I'll, I I could get anything I want out of him, you know, and mm-hmm. because you know, or I can act however I want and he'll forgive me, and you know, yes. and stuff like that. And so there's there's living parasites, you know, human parasites, but these uh, these parasitic entities are the same way. So um, you know, I think most of the time. The pe- well, what I've seen is most of the time the people that are that have these parasitic uh, attachments are usually really loving and, and, you know, beautiful people really on the inside, and they're super sensitive emotionally, and that is kind of um, can become a problem if, if they don't have the right knowledge on how to circumvent these attachments, you know, um,
0: well, so it's, it's, but yeah, exactly like they're they have that vulnerability and yeah a lot of people I, I it, and, and I'm glad you brought it up because sometimes um, you know again I am going to thank Hollywood like you said people think that if whether they're being haunted themselves or their house or whatever that they think that somebody's gonna come in and wave a magic wand and it's over it's done and that's what what you described, where sometimes they'll bring in boatloads of different people and it just calms down and then it comes right back. Right. Uh, and it
1: just comes back a lot worse when it does.
0: Yes. Yes, because they're just trying right. to address what's not there in the I did a sense case of,
1: I did a case in Orange, Massachusetts, um, where this family had moved into the town that I live in right now in southern New Hampshire and but they still owned another house in orange massachusetts and they were trying to sell it or, or rent it out but whenever somebody would be interested it, it would fall through they had uh even a blind lady that was walked through the house and she said you know she didn't want to live there because it felt too dark to her wow. and but they had all kinds of things happen in the house you know anything from the ceiling fan just spinning on its own to things moving across the room to them seeing weird uh, beings move moving in the woods, um, or in the trees. And then they, they said, uh, the guy said he saw native Americans in the, in the woods. And, and then also, um, the final straw was when their, their son, who was four years old, was grabbed by his ankles and pulled right out of bed, hit the floor. They heard thump, thump. And then they heard the, the kid crying a little bit. They went in there. He had handprints, red handprints on his, mm-hmm. on his ankles and so whatever it was grabbing really hard and the kid said the man with the red face pulled me out of bed and so um they had um excuse me they had uh, one famous group going uh, that's on tv you know i'd say famous but on tv -hmm. and um and then they had a famous um or well-known and you you see him on tv demonologist who's a nice guy Nice guy, and he and his team went in there, but the, the process didn't work. Um, they said when when he did his thing, um, he, he did the the oils, and he put crosses on all the doors and all that, and I saw that with a black light. I, I put a black light, and I could see all the crosses that he put. And, right. And they said it seemed, it seemed to help for a little while, but then it came back worse than ever, and that's when the kid got attacked and, and things other things started happening. And because they went back to old ways of thinking and, and there was also marital issues there and they, they're now divorced and they would never talk to me about that, but I knew it when I was there that there was marital issues. They they didn't tell me, but I, I knew there was. And, um, but basically, hold on a second. Um, so, um, so they moved, they moved out of the house. It was a, it was a nice, double wide trailer in a trailer park and stuff real cozy little place and and they bought a colonial um in the town i live in mm-hmm. now they have two mortgages and stuff like that so it was kind of a burden they're not able to sell it or rent it and they're like we, you know can you help us because now they have things going on in both houses so this parasite going back and forth it's still going back to the old houses which is kind of rare because it, it usually attaches to the people but the, the thing was sometimes these parasites will feed off of events that took place in time and it, they'll, they they can feed off of that event for however long they want because it's okay. something that ripples through, through space time in that environment it yes. through parallels. And so, um, so this thing was bouncing back and forth. It was doing stuff in their new home, but also affecting things in, in the other house. And so I went over to the, to the original house, the one in Massachusetts uh, that they moved out of, and I could feel it instantly. This thing was strong and um, and nasty. And I basically chased it around the house and it ended up going into the master bath and hiding in there. And it seemed to be where it liked to to hide, you know? Uh-huh. And so I was contacted by this young guy who's in his mid twenties and he said, hey, I, I, I think I'm sensitive He goes, I've been my whole life and I really want to, you know, learn about this stuff. And I talked to him for a little while, and he seemed real level-headed and um, in the right character type. So I said, "Sure, we you can go to this case with me. The house is empty, so we're not in. You know, you're not going to interact with people. So I, I think it's a good time for me to take you on in this one. But I'm not going to do anything with you there because I've learned from that mistake in the past. Right? Um, Something that that thought they were ready wasn't. And so um, we go there. And he says, he goes, wow, this feels really weird in here. And I'm like, and I said, you want to see where to, it, the thing's in the, in the master ba- bath right now? I know it is. He goes, how do you know? I said, I just know it. So we, we walk into the, to the master bedroom and the door to the master bath was closed o- almost all the way. It wasn't latched, but it was like mm-hmm. closed without being you know latched. And I go over, I said, stand over there. And he st- stood on the other side of the corner of the room. I, and I said, and I started my hand towards that doorknob to open the door. The door flew open on its own so hard. It slammed against the paneling, blew the drapes up from the air pressure. I feel Gus run by me. The, the bedroom door slams shut, and this thing took off out of the room and just slammed the door behind it. And this kid was like, oh, what the hell, you know?
0: <laughs> and,
1: <laughs> and what did he I do? Said,
0: did he stand his ground, or did he bolt?
1: And he, he settled down pretty quickly. I was, I was okay. impressed because it did, it shocked the crap. like he, It scared him. Yeah. And, um, but he, he calmed down. Cause I gave him the, yeah, I gave him the, the, you know, basically the routine, how to act. And if something uh-huh. happens, don't do this, don't do that on our way down. And so, but basically, um, I had to identify what was going on here without these people really being open with me. And, so I could I could feel that there was a marital Mar- 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 issue, and that was part of the problem. But the other part was that the man had a paranoid personality, really bad, like very very hyper paranoid personality. Okay. And so when when he he moved in, it was her house first. They, they became a couple. He moved in, and he started seeing um, Native American entities or or you know apparitions in the woods. And now this this property was on a on a grounds that um, had a bloody battle between two tribes over over the land because there, there was a nice river, it was good fishing, and and so there was this uh, bloody battle, and so there was you know those dramatic events tend to create create um, you know bleed overs in in parallels. Yeah. In space space-time so we we're able to witness something that happened at a different time because of these dramatic uh, uh, dramatic frequencies emotional frequencies from these events and so he was witnessing this stuff so what he did was he he started to become a paranormal investigator and he, he started to stay up stay out all you know at night and try to oh. get pictures of it and take recordings and he, and he, so I, I said, you know, you, you know are you dabbling in this stuff? And he's like, no, 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 I don't even watch movies on it. But I knew he was lying to me. I go into his room, there's a book that was like three inches thick and it was all about demons and, you know, their names and characterizing yeah. demons. And um, so he, he started to, to dabble in this stuff. And with that paranoid personality, he, he, he was the right person. You know, he was yeah. feeding this thing. And now a parasite said... Okay. Hey, you know this guy, yeah. he's gonna pay attention. So this thing pops in and starts attacking them, and um, we're doing stuff in their house and attacking their kid. So I had to, um, ed- I had to treat the the family, but I also had to treat that property over there. So I actually did like a, a native ceremony on that property to to, to gain acceptance from the natives uh, that the energies that were there. But also to, um, you know, to um, and basically in, in hopes that they would help keep the, the parasite gone from that location. And then, you know, I could treat the family in the, their new location with the education and the understanding of the mechanics and what to do, what not to do type of thing. And fortunately, it worked and um, they were problem free, but their marriage still did fail uh, a year or two later. They, they did break up but, oh. um, but
0: and let, was he accepting of I imagine your advice which is don't dabble in that anymore did he did he accept I, that he,
1: yeah he, he actually did it was it was surprising because uh, I didn't I didn't expect that with his personality type I thought that um, he was very interested in it and wouldn't you know because if we're passionate about something it's hard you're not gonna tell people to stay away from their passions unfortunately when it's a passion like that and you're the wrong character type it's it's Ooh. it's not good medicine you know not at all and
2: Not
1: at all. so but he he actually did and so when he walked in the house after i was the the, the original house after i was done doing a, a you know that um it was a very exhausting very um spiritual thing that i did there which is normally what i don't i don't do that type of stuff mm-hmm. this was um normally it's like I said, dealing with the true mechanics, but this, I had to pull in. I had to try to tap into those native um, energies that were there through the parallels, like we talked about and gain acceptance of this family. And and so it, it was a long process, but when I did it, and I, I kid you not, it, it's it's like you see on these dramatic TV shows. It was like somebody took a, uh, di- a dimmer switch and turned it up in the house. Like mm-hmm. that, there was no light lights on, but the house just became so much brighter. I, I could see it getting brighter and brighter and brighter, mm-hmm. and I knew what what I did worked. And um, and so I texted him and I said, you know, or, or I called him. I'm not sure. I said, said you can head over now, because I, I did told him I did not want him there until I was done. So I gave him the clear because he was part of the issue and I knew that Yeah, I was going to
0: say it sounds like he was a catalyst in all this I'm sure you yes, know, he, like you said the dynamic with them was not that best but he sounds like he was the the epicenter
1: yeah, yeah he was definitely and so um, he walked in and he goes oh my god he's like this, this house has never felt like this he goes not even after the other people were here he goes it seemed to help a little bit at first he goes but this is totally different he says usually he pulls into the to the trailer park, he, he would get migraines immediately. He said, but I didn't get that. And then I'm in the house now and he goes, and it feels great. And he goes, it, it smells good. It, it, it just feels really good. So after um, quite a while of them trying to rent it or sell it, five days after, after I dealt with it, um, they had people that wanted to buy it, people that wanted to rent it. They ended up renting it to a gentleman and he's lived there and ha- has had no issues in that home at all
0: and so yeah. Uh, and people don't realize like, that people can walk in there and they might not necessarily say it's a ghost but they kind of on a metaphysical plane something inside of them is thinking i want to get out of here you know but they just in other words they don't buy it or they don't rent it because they they might not understand that it's not necessarily because they think it's haunted it's they just feel uncomfortable when something like that is part of the environment how many house sales fall through because of that and people don't realize that that's what it is
2: yeah. Yeah. Does, I mean, so, does, I mean, does,
0: Shane, does any of the work that you do, as far as does it have anything to do with a person's aura, as far as if it's whole or not, or that has nothing to do with a person being vulnerable?
1: As far as, as far as, what, you know how as... you,
0: the, your aura, like your auric body, you know that usually we have like yeah. a little bit of like a field around our bodies. Okay, which of course some people can see, but most people can. And the curly and photography, all blah blah blah. You know, some of the theories are that <clears throat> if your aura is either damaged or get holes for different reasons, it could be physical trauma, it could be emotional trauma. If you know, if you've got or you've got uh, substance abuse problems, you know, anything that sometimes if your aura thins out, it makes it easier for you to get an attachment. Do you think what? that theory has any validity, or it's just? A question of people with unresolved stuff from their background
1: I I think it's all a matter of in in what I've been able to deduce through the work is and what I understand is it's all to do with frequency emotional frequency and there there was a time a long long time ago where I would hear vibrational frequency and I would be like that's cuckoo you know that's weird Mm -hmm. that's weird talk and but it absolutely once I was able to really start connecting dots and stuff like that, I realized that it it absolutely is everything to do with our frequency, our emotional frequencies. So if if we do have a trauma that we haven't been able to work through, it could it could have happened a million years ago. It doesn't matter if, if it's something that still affects us in our spirit, in our hearts, in our minds then it affects our frequency and it leaves us vulnerable. Um, so we need to, acceptance is such a big word and it's so important in in, in, in our lives. It's like, you know, things happen. If we right. dwell on them, then it, then it keeps us in a bad place. We need to move on and it's hard to do that unless we learn acceptance. Sometimes we have to just accept things. It's hard, but something right. just accept it and move past it move beyond it and above it
0: right and I guess a lot of people and I think that's the human condition when bad things happen to people especially inexplicable stuff whether it was like as as you're as a kid or as an adult whatever that everybody thinks why me you know what did I you know wh- wh- why 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 or you know or stuff like that and they never get beyond like you said the acceptance part where it m- maybe didn't do anything to bring it on but it just happened it happened but they're still kind of like what you're describing caught on that hamster wheel of why me or or they can't accept it they they want to try somehow to you know make it different and time travel is not possible you can't go back in time and redo that
1: but if you're stuck thinking
0: about it like what you described it's like you're basically reliving those moments over and over again
1: right and, and and the other problem too is is the people will use that occurrence that happened to them as as an excuse for being you know you know ineffective or or you know not moving forward in life or being you know achieving goals and they, they blame it on that occurrence you know and stuff like that and they so they use it as a crutch and and it's it's so important and um you know or they're fearful of, of being hurt again and fear I'll tell you what I believe that the equal equivalent opposite of love is not hate I absolutely believe it's fear yes because fear is is yes. such a debilitating thing love can empower fear yes. can just wreck every everything mm-hmm. and um, and that's how these entities work and that's what um, ne- negative things that are done to us in our lives that's how they work that's how they keep us down that's what connects us to these parasites. Yep. So um, you know we have to live in love and light and and not be fearful um, and and just you know be who we are because when we when we are who we are we can you know we know who we are we identify who we are we can be who we are and we can love who we are
0: right and nobody leads All a right? perfect life some things some people have worse breaks than other but like you said if you're gonna have that event be your story it's like yeah. it's like, okay, well, you know what that happened, but I'm going to make my story something different. And you do have that power is basically what you're saying. You do have that power to make it different. Despite what might have happened to you. Absolutely. You said said something, and and I'm I'm going to ask you real quick because I'm going to segue into this this as nothing. You know when you were describing about that kid that was up in Vermont that uh, he had gone to Sedona and he had like a kind of like had a bad reaction? you're the second person within the last two weeks that has told me a similar bad experience of going to Sedona the reason why I ask about this is because Sedona is thought of as an epicenter of spirituality and good vibes and when you said I was like man what a coincidence this is the second person I hear mentioned that they've had some type of negative reaction when going to Sedona and it's like I wonder why that is
1: yeah, it really had an impact on this family, too, because even the dad said, have you ever been there? I said, no. He goes, oh, you got to go. It's so special, you know, and I was like, uh-huh. I have no idea. Like, <laughs> like I've never, I, I heard a little bit about it, but I haven't really researched it, so.
0: Right, um, right. Oh, the person yeah. that, that, that told me about it, his reaction was he started getting nauseous and throwing up. He had to leave. Like, you know, when he had to, like, get out of there. He says that once he cleared the area of the town, he felt better but he said Matt he says I felt so horrible I felt s- like nauseous throwing up it was like and he says as soon as I got out of there everything stopped and um and now you mentioned that and, and it's like okay you know not every place affects everybody the same way interesting right, yeah mm, very interesting Yeah." know uh, sometimes, you know, and I, I think that when you get places like Sedona, which, you know, you get a lot of people going out there for either spirit communication or putting vibes out, You in that crowd, you always get the ones that are pretending to be motivated by good, but not really. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And they bring in or put out whatever you want to call it, just bad things, bad things altogether. But anyway, Shane, I wanted to thank you so much for spending this time today. Um, I'm going to put a link to your website, but if you could mention, what is your website for the people that are listening on the podcast, where they could uh, reach you at?
1: The website is trueghost.com, T-R-U-E-G-H-O-S-T.com, and the website is terrible right now. I It, it was redone, but I don't like it. I, I hate it. So um, it's going to be re- redone soon, And um, but you, you can find contact information there. Uh, okay. You can, Look me, look me up on YouTube and Google me for other shows and other other appearances and, and stuff like that too. So,
0: okay. And do you have any any projects coming up now in the near future?
1: Uh no i just got done with a lot of ufo conferences back okay. back to back to back and, and um we are scheduled to we were supposed to be going out to a pennsylvania area flap area we call it paranormal flap area in pennsylvania mm-hmm. um <laughs> we we should be there now actually but we we had to uh, postpone it so but um we're, we're working in um pennsylvania, connecticut, massachusetts, new hampshire we're we're getting around but um yeah so.
0: Okay, okay, so, but I'm sure that if anything that you would uh, and you would post it up on your website if you were going to be attending any event or you know at any location or any show, do you post that up on your website?
1: Um, I haven't been very good at that. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna try to be <laughs> try to try to be better with that. And um, yeah, the best thing is that, you know, like on Facebook, I'm more active there. So okay. Um,
0: so. Oh, but there's a ways to reach you. You know, whether it's to find out what you're at or. Especially for somebody that that uh, like you described is at their wits' end, you know, having something going on with them. And uh, I imagine that if you can't help them, do you have any reputable groups that that you know of that you can recommend for them? Because I know sometimes when you've been doing this for a while, you know who you can trust as far as a recommendation, who is like no, you know. And I yeah, know- there's
1: there's really no other groups when it when it comes on a high-end level um mm-hmm. because i've, I've had a i had to help out and, and bail out a lot of a lot of these groups so there's there's really not any groups that i'm aware of that it, it, on a high high-end uh hunt like a, a very active uh negative hunt that i okay. could recommend um, besides Paul, you know, who's my brother, we work, we collaborate a lot together. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the best thing is I help people all around the world just simply by talking to them over the phone. I, oh, I identify perfect. the problem. Yeah. So, I mean, I talk to people in India, Australia, you know, you name it. And, and I'm able to break down what's going on with them and prescribe a treatment for their okay. particular situation. And it's worked every time. So I help people all around the world that just by talking to them.
0: Great. That is fantastic. So in other words, you physically don't have to be there. You, in other, you can work at a distance in other words.
1: Yeah, as long as the people are, are open and honest and, and they're they're able to communicate what's going on. Some people are, are more reserved because they they, they don't they they haven't met me in person so we're only talking on the phone. Yeah. So they, they there's some things that they don't want to open up about, so it's hard to deal with that. But if they're open with me about you know, every step of the way, I can pinpoint what, what the issue is and, and prescribe a treatment and, you know, basically how, you know, tell them what to do, what not to do, what they've been doing wrong, mm-hmm. and how to fix it. And it works every time.
0: Fantastic. Excellent. All right. Thank you again, Shane. I want to wish you the best of luck. Okay. Uh, and of, I would love to bring you back so that we could talk about ufology. <laughs> Yeah. Great. That, that, that right be- there, that's a whole. I mean, I think people are finally and I know not everybody's on the same, but I think a lot of as far as ufology and extraterrestrial, they're starting to break out of the the thought that everything has to travel. I mean, I'm not saying it's not that, but as far as maybe the way they travel is not the way we think of as in linear space or on a spaceship or on a flying saucer. It could be other ways. Right. And there's other type of phenomena yeah. which a lot of people also describe that coincides when they have a UFO sighting. Uh, mm-hmm. versus just something a light in the sky. There's other things that I think that now that a lot of people are actually noting it they, they see a trend in other words. Like what a coincidence. Right. You know, there's UFO sightings and then there's sightings of either cryptids or whatever the case might be or people having weird experiences and those correlations so I would love to have you come back and we could talk about that because that in and of itself is fascinating
1: yeah that'd be great and I'd like to thank you for having me and you've been a a great great host and this has been an awesome um, conversation I've really enjoyed it
0: thank you so much and have a great night take care you too bye-bye bye-bye wow what an interesting guest He is something else. Okay. And this is for those people out there where, you know, you know, and how can I say it? I'm so glad he brought this up as far as what he described where people sometimes either have groups or even it sounds like demonologist or exorcism priest whatever coming in there and trying to help out and basically it just subsides and then comes back okay and people don't realize that what happens to you either as a child or somewhere along your life and and people have heard me talk about this before especially about telling people you know this is not the kind of paranormal investigations is like mm, not really for you because sometimes you just have this vulnerability in you that if you put yourself in a bad situation or a case or a household that you walk in basically you're opening yourself up for a really horrible experience especially if you had something like this happen in your, your background and maybe you might have dealt with it kind of but but you're doing okay you know you're making your way in your life but then you come into a case, let's say you start doing paranormal investigations like what he was describing, and then you walk into a really ugly, malevolent, dark case. And guess what? You, like he said, whatever is there, this parasitic entity, will see that vulnerability and then dredge up old memories, unresolved things, uh, and... Basically, torment you, because basically that's how it works. They torment you uh, into depression, uh, lack of hope, uh, and of course, everything that comes with it. Because let's face it, what happens in your head affects the wa- the rest of your body. How you feel, how your outlook is on life, uh, and then it's like a domino effect. It maybe affects you know your interaction with your family. It affects your interaction at work or how well you perform. I mean, it's, and, and I've said this before, contrary to sometimes what people think of when they see the movie where, you know, you cross paths with the uh, thing, entity, whatever, and then by the end of the week, you know, horrible things are happening to you. Sometimes, as a matter of fact, that's really very seldomly the way it goes. It starts to unravel little by little and then I think what happens is depending on how far you know how far this goes or if you can pull yourself out of it and I talk about this a lot about as far as when people get hopeless and they isolate themselves and this is this is basically what's pushing you along to do that because that's what it wants to do it wants to feed off your fear hopelessness the feelings that people get nobody loves me nobody cares about me nobody understands me um, you know it's like a domino or snowball effect and the point I'm trying to make is sometimes for this to take place is days weeks months things start to unravel and then maybe a year two years down the road you go from everything was okay no when I mean okay nobody walks around w- with a perfect life and you deal with things that come up and you try your best to resolve them and then you move on but you're not hopeless and then you see people that they get to this point they look back and it's like man what happened and then this 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 thing invades basically your life and your mind uh and, and the, the point i'm trying to make is long before you see crap flying across the room okay something very physical or tangible that you could say oh my god or in the case of what he described with this lady this poor woman in her 70s is being basically re-victimized she's because basically what that entity was trying to do is recreate the terror and helplessness she felt as a child not only was she being molested and raped but by the person who should have been taking care of her that's like a double betrayal to a child okay so this this thing whatever you know was the act in and of itself was horrible but it was probably doing like he described the exact same way that her father would approach her which heightened her fear heightened her feeling of helplessness uh basically puts you into what they call a state of PTSD, which is where you relive that memory like if it happened uh, hours or a day before. Smells, feelings, everything is fresh fresh and sharp, which is why it's so difficult sometimes to be with PTSD uh, where, where, you know, why it's so important for them to get help, because sometimes the passage of time doesn't diminish the memory because everybody's had bad things happen to them and when they're fresh it hurts and you kind of examine it but normally as time goes by it depending of course on what the incident was it the the, the edges soften they soften and the, the harsh emotion kind of softens and then that 24 7 mentality let's go where you stop thinking about it and there comes a point where yeah it'll hurt your heart but you're not there continuously reliving it but for somebody that's had some type of trauma they never they that, that, that softness never diminishes the feeling the fear the anger whatever is involved in it never gets any less and basically what that entity was doing to this poor lady was revisiting her and making her feel the fear just like she had done probably what 60 years before and i know i've said this before in other shows but i want to say it again a lot of and i'm glad he brought it up a lot of stuff that happens to people and i'm going to say especially as children why because when you're a child besides the fact that you're a child you don't have a a, a mirrored things could you could be it, it. could be something at the hands of the people that are meant to protect you, number one, or you are shamed or afraid to talk about what happened, or you're or you're or you're um, threatened to keep it quiet. And let's face it, when you're a child, where are you gonna go? What are you gonna do? Yeah, if you maybe sometimes when you're a teenager and adolescent, you run away. But if you're younger. What are you going to do? Where are you gonna go? You're at the mercy of whatever's happening to you to stay put and endure it. And sometimes this trauma and this happens you know, in a perfect world none of these horrible things would ever happen to anybody. But when they do and I think that's what Shane was referring to, that these people they basically start reliving it and recalling it and this is this thing about your brain when you start reliving these memories and you start your, your 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 brain doesn't know that what you're seeing in your head is a memory that maybe happened years and years and years ago and what happens is your body starts reacting it starts putting out cortisol your th- your heartbeat could elevate some people even break out into a sweat if you're really good if your imagination is one of these and you decide to like you know pick that scab and relive every horrible second of it guess what your body will start reacting like if that incident is actually taking place your body doesn't know that it's just a memory okay and what he's talking about is that all these feelings all these things that are going on in your body and in your mind and in your spirit is basically putting out a calling card. And I've said it, like attracts like. Okay. Uh, tell me how angry you are and I'll tell you how scared you are. Because that's what it is. Anger is usually a big cover for I'd rather be angry than scared. But really it's fear. Fear. Fear is the feel of anger. Okay. So it's like a track like if something happened to you and you were fearful or you were angry Or whatever the case might be basically is a track track like and then what you do is you get this parasitic entity which is saying you know what I can feed off this person because they've got this memory lodged in their conscious or subconscious mind and all I have to do is whip it a little bit and maybe do some things and then on top of the fear that they're gonna experience from recalling that incident I'm gonna make them even more fearful by maybe invading their dreams uh typical stuff that sometimes you see in hauntings where people are like totally wigged out uh feelings of being watched uh he made mention of a couple of people there that were a little bit on the paranoid side what do you think happens to a person that's already got like a little bit of paranoia in their personality and then you get an entity which starts making them feel like i'm watching you you're being watched even maybe when you leave the house or something's watching you from the closet these things basically what he was saying was they know what you fear the most and on an intuition on a metaphysical level and that's where they attack you through and I'm sure it's more in-depth than what he was describing or what I'm describing but you know part of it, it is like he said it's not whether you say you forgive or anything or whatever the perpetrator was sometimes like, it's almost disempowering. It's like, no, I don't want to forgive you. You can't fake it, in other words. You can't, d- by this, I guess what I'm saying is a lot of people think that, forg- that you say you forgive somebody is that n- that you're basically okay with it. And what's the use of saying I forgive somebody if you really don't feel it? But if you accept it, I say, I don't forgive you, but I accept that this happened. And there's nothing I can do or say to change what happened. But I'm going to move away from it because that's not going to be my story. And I hope you burn in hell. Screw it. Hello. If that's what the empowering that you need to move off, as long as you don't keep on reliving that moment, somehow being able in your mind to twist time and go back and undo it. And now, if you can forgive that person, do it if you if part of that you truly forgive them without thinking i'm i'm really i'm saying i forgive this person because it's the good thing but i really deep down inside if you if you really like could look at the way you felt you it's not really there and, and what's really funny is about real forgiveness sometimes what he described as far as acceptance you know acceptance moving on and you say i'm not ready to forgive this person but they did was horrible persons or plural persons whatever whatever the case might be and you're saying no i'm not going to forgive this person screw it but i'm going to go beyond this and that's it i'm i'm not going to be victimized by this i'm not going to have it overshadow my life and i'm not going to dwell on it and i'm going to live my life like she said your, your 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 focus is away from that somewhere in that time period maybe years something in you does forgive sometimes not everybody's different it's everybody's different it's like i'm but i'm not going to sacrifice my life on the altar of these events that happen to me because i do have power over what happens to me from now on and that self-control that uh, that feeling of power let me tell you something it's a very 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 powerful especially when you're going into something what like Shane described because a lot of people feel and i and i've talked about it where they feel at the mercy of what's going on they feel victimized they're at the mercy shit's flying around their house i'm having bad dreams my relationships are falling apart maybe my kids are getting attacked uh, and i can't concentrate at work it, i mean and they feel like on. Un- they're on un, under slot under slot of of mm, something they can't touch something they can't feel now you want me to tell you the antidote to that being able to feel some type of control and you know how you do that exactly like what he said i'm not going i'm not gonna i'm not gonna play the game i'm gonna take my focus out of it i'm gonna laugh a lot uh you know i'm gonna go outside i'm gonna go to the park you know, uh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that, depending on your your finances. There's a lot of stuff that you can do for free, believe me. Um, but I'm not going to stay at the house. And it's almost like once you shift your attention, which is equivalent to you drawing back the fear, the the dread, this thing starts to fizzle because it doesn't, it, it's nothing f- for you to feed off of it okay and I think that for a human being having to be have that type of control is a very important step towards having this recede sometimes certain things are happening where you do need somebody like Shane to come in and kind of guide you out because, like he described, sometimes there's certain dynamics going on with the people in the family, whether it's the adults or whatever, where, you know what, they're never going to do this on their own. They need somebody, an expert, like Shane, come in and say, and do what he does. Talk to them and basically have them look at really what what is causing what's going on with them. Okay. But there's there's a lot of stuff that people can do before it totally slides into a full-blown uh... stuff flying in your house or seeing horrible things and it basically making your life horrible unraveling your life so that even if you recover there's a lot of stuff that you lose along the way by this i'm not talking about material stuff even though that's bad but Sometimes you lose relationships. Sometimes you lose marriages. Sometimes you lose jobs. Sometimes you lose homes. By the time that you come to grips with the idea of like, man, you know what? I've got to resolve this wound that's inside of me, and then this thing is going to go away. Huh? It's an interesting thought. But anyway, guys. Yeah, I'm gonna put a link to Shane's website on my uh, on the credits of the show. It's TrueGhost.com. I urge you to visit, even though he poo-pooed it, or well, of course, you know, if you need to reach out to him, also Facebook's uh, another thing, whether you're trying to figure out if he's going to be doing at any event, or you need his help, you know, maybe you are one of these people who's had people come in and nobody is helping you, or maybe you've been putting up with something for years and years, and... You've moved from place to place, thinking you can outrun it, and now you're at the realization: this is not a problem with the location. It's the problem is me, or m- maybe somebody you're married to. so uh, you know, reach out to. And th- 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 what he talked about, that he can—he doesn't even need to see you in person. You know, but of course, if you don't reach out to him, there's no way he can help you. Anyway, guys, don't forget. Uh, go to miamighostchronicles.com there you can find links to either the the YouTube video uh I've got also lo- links to the MP3 files if you want to download the podcast or I even got links to the different podcast platforms um, so that you can if 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 there's any of the podcast platforms that you use to download MP3 files I've got links that will take you directly to our shows on that platform best bet uh, go to my amigoschronicles.com, and from there, of course, also if you want to submit your true story, my true believers, you can do that submit your story tab. If you want to send me an email, the point of contact, the best one is going to be, or you could go also to stories of the that'll work as well. If you want to reach out to me, uh, whether with a story, a question, suggestions for the show, or if you want to hear uh, any of the shows when they're archived. Like I said, I have everything from the first show all the way to the most recent release on there. Uh, pretty soon, I'm hoping, maybe by the time you get here this, um, this show, I will have already released. Uh, I just finished uh, filming a show up in Toronto f- for a new show that's going to be coming out, which I believe is it's going to air now uh, in the fall in Canada, and I believe it's going to air here in the U.S., now the either january or february once i get the right dates then i'll announce it i want to be in that show and i've got a couple of other things going on and i'm writing a book i'm writing two books um i had a request to um you know i was writing a little book about just very unusual true ghost stories obscure stuff but it was really funny because i've had a lot of people uh, ask me like oh um you know what to do like a diy for lack of a better word if you think that you might have a problem with haunting or something's going on and so I'm, gonna, I'm putting together a little book about almost for lack of a better word supernatural diy you know or supernatural safety uh and in this advice you know i'm going to make it stuff that you can do maybe before you call a paranormal team in or what I tell people what to do before you move to a place or after you leave a place because I've done investigations where I've had people come in and they're saying we sold this house and we just want to make sure that whatever's here doesn't go with us I've had investigations like that and what things that you can do again because I'm into empowering people uh and yeah and in the book of course I'm going to make mention that there's certain things that it's like you need help you, you need to get a team in there and we'll you know in the book eventually i'll talk about that and along the, l- the way i'll talk about some of my cases and things that have happened to me but i'm working on that book I'm, I'm hoping to have that out maybe by the end of this year december of 2018 and again guys i want to thank you so very much for being part of my audience you guys are absolutely wonderful uh and i truly appreciate the time that you spent here uh listening to the show or seeing the video. So again, I hope you're going to be coming back next week and take care.